Namo tassa bhagavato arato samma sambuddhassa Namo tassa bhagavato arato samma sambuddhassa Namo tassa bhagavato arato samma sambuddhassa So this evening I'm going to talk about appreciative joy one of the for Brahma Viharas. We have already discussed uh, metta, loving kindness. We have discussed compassion. And this is a day for appreciative joy. I like the translation of the Pali word Brahma Viharas as best behaviors. Because when it's a behavior, then something that uh, uh, I'm going to work towards too. As I told you uh, about the Pali word bhavana, mental cultivation, mental development, so we can develop our behavior. But even the word best, I think, should be substituted with excellent, excellent behavior. So that's uh, my teacher, Bhante Gunaratana, the way he translated, uh, translated Brahma Viharas. And it resonates with me. It resonates with me. Uh, because in Uganda, uh, where I have a temple, I'm trying to find out some of the Dharma words that fits in our culture. And we have a word in my language, Luganda, and we call this Ubuntu Blam. Ubuntu Blam. Somebody, I think, from South Africa was talking about Ubuntu. But in Uganda, we call it Ubuntu, not with you. So we call it Ubuntu Blam. Uh, roughly translates uh, people, life, but doesn't make sense in English. But anyway, for us, we understand it that if you have these qualities, like being generous, uh, being loving, being kind, you have Ubuntu Blam. That means people's behavior, something to that effect. Modita, appreciative joy. Again, there are so many translations, sympathetic joy, but I prefer uh, appreciative joy. Is a mental factor that can be cultivated by sharing and rejoicing in the success and the happiness of others. Others means all beings, including insects and animals. Recently, I was in a Staten Island giving uh, talks in front of a, a video camera. Uh, I gave four talks, and my last talk was about um, working with difficult emotions. These talks are going to be broadcasted on a a local TV, cable TV. And uh, my last talk was a little bit challenging. I was talking about emotions, and all of a sudden a mosquito came and landed here. <laughs> front of me. I said, in Staten Island, mosquitoes? I didn't really quite get it, because in Africa, 
okay when mosquito comes, it's okay. I know, I'm in Africa and the tropical regions. But in Staten Island, I didn't expect, the last thing I would expect is a mosquito landing it. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I was starting tightening. Because I said, what am I going to do with this mosquito? Should I brush it? Then it's not very good because it's in front of a television, I mean, uh, video. And many people are going to see these talks in New York, Staten Island, and all these places. I say, let me actually uh, be there with the, with the experience, with the sensations. As I was giving a talk, and it's only 27 min minutes, not beyond, so uh, my mind was going more on a mosquito taking my blood. <laughs> and then, okay, I started to uh, say, okay, you'll take some, of course, but <laughs> so it's like donating blood. So then I was, my attention was divided between what to do with this mosquito Actually, it's, it was becoming unbearable. I don't know it's be, whether because I didn't expect it to happen. I was see, uh, feeling some swelling and itching, and I wanted to scratch, but I didn't want to feel embarrassed, actually, in front of a video. But of course, I didn't hit it like this. Out of appreciative joy for this mosquito, to be, I raised my hand like this and brushed it like this. And I felt a lot of happiness that I didn't kill it <laughs> so it can live happily. Actually, I've seen people slapping a mosquito like an elephant. That's how people are so much angry <laughs> when a mosquito comes. Even houseflies and all this, people crush them totally. I used to be in a school, a boarding school, and uh, on the walls, there were so many mosquitoes which were killed and they used to put messages <laughs> on the mosquito. So the whole wall was full of messages of students who were reading books and the mosquito was disturbing and they hit it and crushed it and they would put some kind of uh, uh, wishes. Uh, uh, R.I.P. R.I.P. Eh? <laughs> but actually I was so happy I set this mosquito free. I just brushed it like this and it went. So I continued with the Dhamma talk. So if you are in New York and you happen to see this talk on the TV, <laughs> you know that it's possible to send appreciative joy even to mosquitoes. Yeah. But of course, it doesn't mean that you stay there like a vegetable. And, yeah, and then you don't take action. Sometimes you need to take action because really that was talking about emotions. I just felt there was something that was starting to build. And I had to live with it until I said, okay, that's quite enough. Yeah, so, but don't kill a mosquito, of course. I didn't kill it also. Uh, Modita uh, is not a subject most people talk about. They talk about loving kindness, compassion. And compassion is a common subject, I think, because there's a lot of suffering in the world, a lot of suffering. And sometimes when there's happiness, or even others are happy, uh, it's like mini holidays from suffering. So we have a little bit of holiday here, mini. <laughs> like, 
So because suffering is such a, a big subject, I think uh, uh, from our evolutionary point of view also, I read a book about neuroscience. And uh, this writer was saying that because of our evolution, uh, the brain tends to remember what is negative, what is suffering. So even if we have an equal uh, experience of happiness, we tend to forget it so easily. And the newspaper actually uh, bank on this, actually. <laughs> so it always writes bad news. You just get a newspaper and you find out maybe 98% of it is bad news. Yeah, so, uh, so we get it through media, we get it through our experience, and we forget even moments when we're glad and happy and joy. So really, suffering is half the, the story. <laughs> And so the second half is really happiness. And that's what even the, uh, uh, the Buddha taught. He said, I teach you only one thing and one thing, suffering and the end of it. So he took 45 years <laughs> repeating the same thing in different ways. Yeah, so, but most, uh, most of the people take only half the story that life is suffering. Yeah, there's a lot of joy also in life. And also the way we can cultivate joy. Uh, the bit of this teaching that it shows the way how to cultivate joy by uh, contemplating on uh, uh, the happiness of others and their success. And then you generate, you cultivate. You don't have to wait until maybe next Saturday to have joy. You can do it right now. You just have to see somebody who is successful and happy, and then you wish them, oh, may you be happy. May you be successful. While you are doing that, you are gaining happiness. So I think this is a wonderful teaching. There's something I like also about this teaching is uh, uh, when the Buddha talked about uh, suffering and talked about uh, bath is suffering, uh, aging is suffering, uh, sickness is suffering, uh, grief, sorrow, lamentation is suffering, Get what, getting what you want is suffering, not getting what you want is suffering. He went on and on. So there's a circle there of really suffering. <laughs> but there is an alternative circle which is so interesting. It's the circle of liberation. Where he said that when you understand suffering and you know that, that there is a way out of this mess, out of suffering, you gain faith and confidence. And once you gain faith and confidence, then you become gladdened. Gladness arises. In Pali, is called Pamoja. And then when you feel glad, Joy arises, that's pity. And when you have joy, tranquility arises. Then when you have tranquility, uh, happiness arises. When happiness arises, concentration arises. He went on, on and on until uh, he said you attain liberation. So, uh, really there's a a whole story there <laughs> that okay is suffering but how can we uh, overcome it how can we understand it 
so we understand. And that understanding can lead us to joy and, and gladness and all that. So we can always bank on uh, this teaching that they, they lead us to happiness and joy. As the process you have seen, it is just like a causal, consequence, uh, causal sequence from suffering, you understand it, there's gladness, faith and confidence, and from faith, faith and confidence, there's gladness. So, this is very interesting. Now, I would like to um, take a short excursion of what is really appreciative joy and what is not appreciative joy. Comparing is definitely not appreciative joy. <laughs> Comparison is based on the delusion of separation between I and others. So we compare in our life constantly. This comparison goes on in our life and even here when we come to meditate. In our day life, we compare others, their hairdo. <laughs> Maybe it's not very good for this occasion, for this wedding. <laughs> so we start comparing them. Uh, we compare our clothes, yeah? t-shirts and the logo and Larry had a good t-shirt, actually. <laughs> then we can compare that t-shirt with our t-shirt. And then we say, oh, I'd like to get one, like Larry's. <laughs> so let's compare. So that's why we give instructions to meditate when your eyes are a little bit down. <laughs> There's no magic, actually, behind this. <laughs> So that you don't compare so much with what's going on. Because meditation is an inner journey. Comparing takes, away, uh, takes us away from this inner journey and we stay outside there in the world. We compare um, our size. Somebody is taller, shorter. Our meditation even. We, we tend to compare. That's a better meditator. Sometimes we sit here and meditate, and then we see all people look like angels. And we meditate, meditate, we look around, everybody's mellow and quiet. But for us, it's really a lot of storm going on. Then we think that others also are actually have a peaceful mind, but I'm telling you, they're also going through a rough storm. I want you to say for sure. So, but we tend to compare ourselves, it's me who is going through all these storms and everybody is really uh, attaining deep concentration. But how do you know? You cannot tell. Uh, 
Also in the dining, when you go to the dining, we, we tend to look at other yogis when they are putting food on their plate. Others eating a lot, actually. <laughs> can be considered. I thought we should practice moderation. <laughs> I mean, all the yogis are all behind. Why are they going to get the food? So there's a lot going on actually here. So um, the key is actually, uh, I think, to have some kind of wise discernment instead of uh, comparing. Wise discernment is mindful and careful uh, 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 observation. Uh, uh, it doesn't mean when you start meditating, you become a vegetable and you cannot discern one thing from the other. But really, we can use it wisely, but not comparing. Comparing is a form of conceit in Pali language. It's called mana. That's the Pali word for conceit and pride. So we, uh, we do these three kinds of comparison. You are better than me. Yeah? It's like upward comparison, better than me. And sometimes it's downward comparison. Uh, you are worse than me. Uh, well, some of these comparisons sometimes can serve mundane purposes. Like, of course, if you compare, oh, oh I'm better than that person, uh, of course, that can bring some contentment. But if you stretch it too far, then actually it's a, a hindrance. Uh, upward co comparison, if you see somebody better than you, it can motivate you to work harder, right? I remember when I was in Burma in 2004, I went there jet-lagged, uh, almost uh, spent uh, three days to get over the jet-lag. And when I reached there, I was dozing, and then this monk was meditating for three hours in a stretch. I said, wow. <laughs> he has been there for almost, I think, two years. And said, well, it's amazing. I was so sleepy. And, of course, I said, wow. I would like to uh, overcome this sleepiness and be able to stay for three hours. Uh, so, of course, sometimes it can motivate us, but uh, if we don't use it wisely, I think it can turn into a hindrance and it can actually uh, hinder this appreciated joy. I think for me it was more of aspiration uh, other than comparing this monk was better than me. So when I see another person practicing well, so... I can be motivated and then practice, continue. Even when Yogi was actually uh, waking up at 2.30, the wake-up time is 3 a.m. in Burma. Uh, can you try that? <laughs> <laughs> so I went there. Again, uh, I was used to wake up at 4 at our monastery in West Virginia. So when I went to Burma, the first day of meditation, the bell rings at 3 when I went there, I, it was very difficult. Then when I spent one week there, I saw somebody who was not even, I mean, who was already in the meditation hall. <laughs> I said, when does he come to the meditation hall? <laughs> this uh, three, maybe he comes at two, I don't know. <laughs> so one time I, I was very curious. I went actually a little bit early <laughs> because I could not sleep. I said, okay, let me go there and find out. <laughs> It's amazing what the mind can think about things. <laughs> so I went there and uh, 
this Canadian <laughs> was really full of energy. He was going to meditate at around 2.30. Yeah, so and such things can motivate us really to find out how, uh, how the things, but if we, uh, again, if we, it becomes part of our life, comparing this, hairdo, and beauty, and all this, I think that can, that's not modita, that's not appreciative joy. I was really having appreciative joy for the success of this Canadian, he was even a therapist, who actually w was really putting a lot of energy into meditation, waking up at 2.30. So that motivated me. So, so I think this is very interesting. Okay, we have seen three kinds of, uh, two kinds of comparison, up and down. Then there is this cultural conditioning, big one. Same, same. Comparing, okay, this is the same as this, same, same. And uh, I, I call it same, same freaks, you know. Every time they compare, compare. So same, same, same. This is, same, this is the same as this, this is the same as this. Actually, underlying that same, same is also another comparison but we usually not pay attention. So three kinds of comparison uh, the Buddha talked about, which is uh, called mana, conceit. Yeah, I think that's really very, very important uh, to remember this and then work on your way to uh, having appreciative joy uh, instead of comparing people. Have appreciative joy what, uh, of what they're doing uh, recently, I was in Uganda. I went to a, a place, it's called Peace Embassy. And uh, I've been there before. They were inviting me to give blessings. And this time I went there to uh, visit them. This Peace Embassy is a group of people who are following a certain uh, religion. Uh, they're called Moonies. I think it's Korean um, sect. And they say, oh, Bante, welcome. They gave me a chair and sat. This person told me, I'm sorry, Bante. You are not going to go to heaven. I said, why? They say, Bante, you are not married. You are not going to go to heaven. <laughs> ah. Then I asked her, what about all monks in Burma, in Sri Lanka, in Thailand? There are over 50,000. <laughs> Do you think they are going to go to hell? He say yes. To go to heaven, you have to be married. Because they do a lot of mass marriage, actually, in this sect. Now, what she was doing is comparing Buddhism <laughs> to, uh, to this money. Uh, then, I didn't want, of course, to compare Buddhism with the Moonies. Because if I wanted to compare, I would say, hey, for us, we go, we go beyond that. <laughs> we, go, we go beyond heaven. <laughs> we reach all the way to Nibbana. <laughs> Which is the highest goal. And those monks are not going to go to hell. <laughs> Anyway, not, they're not about to go. <laughs> what, have they, what, what have they done wrong? <laughs> because for us, actually, Buddha simplified it. To go to heaven, uh, be generous, ask when, of course, when, uh, give when you're asked, or be generous, that means. And uh, don't get angry. 
<laughs> practice metta, in other words, and tell the truth. So <laughs> the Buddha said in these three ways, you'll be associating with heavenly beings. <laughs> we go to heaven anyway. So uh, anyway, I didn't want to dispute that, that we are better off than you. For us, we have the highest goal. But what I did, I said, okay, you are going to go to heaven, I'm going to go to hell, and all the other monks, we don't want to overcrowd your heaven. <laughs> you are not going to enjoy it. <laughs> so, you can see that kind of, uh, um, not comparing actually, but actually kind of complimenting, <laughs> so to say. So I've seen so many people who actually compare a lot. Right, there's another uh, uh, point now uh, we go to is Modita is actually not competition. It's actually about cooperation, cooperating with others. So um, in this uh, world, so-called modern world, there's a lot of competition. And it seemed to, uh, to be the foundation for success, to com- compete. Now this world is called a global village, where people are, co- are reduced to consumers. They are, not called, they, are not called, they are not called peoples, they are called consumers. So we dehumanize our, our, this kind of words, and then we call people, consumers. Now, what happened in a marketplace? So the consumers are competing each other, with each other, with, with the, all the resources. Now, this competition, of course, is very, uh, sometimes uh, can help uh, to uh, have a good uh, economy and all these things, but spiritually, it can breed a lot of uh, hatred, aversion, jealousy, which has nothing to do Really, actually, these things are not appreciative joy, like jealous and envy and all these things. So, and this is what the world we live in. We live in this world where there's a, where there's a lot of competition. How are we going to reverse this, competi- uh, this competition? Is by actually cooperating. So, we have to introduce this in schools, those who are here, teachers. <laughs> we can reduce that stiff competition in school by uh, really introducing some kind of cooperation, we cooperate. I remember very well when I was in primary school in Uganda, uh, we had a competition and we didn't bring it. It's the teachers who really divided our class into three. One, there were three roles. One was heaven, another one's purgatory, another one's hell. (laughs) I'm disappointed Nibana wasn't there. So, those who actually performed very well, who perf- those people who fa- performed very well, they were grouped into heaven. And then, hell was the middle, <laughs> mediocre. And those who could not perform very well, they were in hell. What this did is actually we, uh, we really didn't want to go to hell, of course. So, for us who are in heaven, we didn't want to go to <laughs> to purgatory or hell, so we used to work so hard in these subjects and we got good marks and all that. So it motivated us. But what it did is to develop some kind of uh, 
competition and some people started not to share formulas with others. <laughs> so, uh, of course, actually that year we performed very well. In fact, we got many first grades. But I, would, I could see between each other, I can see some people when they get very good formula that can really solve a problem, they are not willing to share. Yeah, so if you have any competition going on in school or anywhere, you, you want to cooperate. You don't want to encourage so much of the competition that is very stiff and is unhealthy, which is actually not mudita, that's not to appreciate joy. The good story is that when we come to meditate here, there's no competition. You are, we are not competing with each other here. That's why, that, that's what, that's why I like meditation. Yeah. So we are not competing who is going to go to Nibbana first, who is going to get into jhanas, this deep concentration faster than the other. So that's the beauty of this practice. Appreciative joy is not uh, judgmental, it's not judging. It's being judicious. There's a difference between judgmental and being judicious. Uh, having a judging mind, where you see your fellow yogis walking and then they're walking too fast, then you judge them, why didn't they listen to all these instructions given by four teachers, repeating again and again the same thing. I mean, where can they get it, actually? Everybody's walking slow, and only these two people who are walking very fast. Then we judge people, and then, uh, of course, uh, uh, we judge people who are, who are uh, always making all this noise, uh, snoring during meditation, clearing a throat. Sometimes these things are impersonal, but actually we judge people harshly. Yeah, so judgment, uh, uh, having judgmental mind is not appreciative joy, definitely. So because uh, judgment mind is based on, uh, um, uh, is based on aversion, is based on, uh, uh, based on delusion between I and others, is uh, based on uh, also attachment to your views. Because we are, we are so much attached to the way how things should be, and then when others don't do things that way, we judge them so harshly. So being judicious is different. It's really uh, stepping out of this uh, attachment to our views, to, uh, to uh, aversion, stepping out of aversion and delusion. So with, being, uh, with judicious, it means that we are seeing things clearly. We are discerning with, uh, with uh, generosity, letting go, with loving kindness and compassion and understanding. So this is very, very important. And I think uh, when we come on a retreat like this, it seems that the judgment mind increases because we are living together here in a small space. <laughs> and many, many thoughts come, with, not even knowing where they come from. They keep on bombarding us. Even self-judgment. Okay, if we don't judge others, we have that kind of self-judgment. Am I doing it right? Am I doing it correct? Uh, all this kind of 
stories going on, judging yourself too harshly. And what standard are you using to judge yourself so harshly? How about uh, practicing appreciated joy? How about being uh, compassionate? How about being kind? How about being uh, appreciating your, yourself, really? So this kind of appreciation is very important of what you're doing. There are a few ways to overcome judgmental mind. The first one I think is very important. is called mind your business. <laughs> M M Y B. M Y B. If you remember that you're in good shape. <laughs> Try to think and reflect of what you have left undone. All right? <laughs> you yourself, what you haven't done. Other than always saying, oh, he's not doing this, he's not washing plates properly. I'm, t I'm telling you, I was here on a three-month retreat here. <laughs> and my job was to wash plates. I'm telling you, lunchtime was a very hard time because sometimes, <laughs> sometime because we had to bring these plates. I don't know whether the system had changed. Have changed. Uh, we have to bring these plate. We had to bring these plates on the tray, and then, then you are bring these plates because our first half of the people have used them, and there's no plate. There's no plates, so we had to bring other plates too replenish uh, the, uh, the, uh, the others. So now you are carrying this toy and then you find this slow walking yogi. <laughs> you are not going to knock them off, of course. And on a three month retreat, yogis literally crawl. <laughs> Because they have time, they have had time to think, to settle in, including those like me who was walking very, very fast. <laughs> I'm telling you, I had to work on my practice. I had to work on that. The whole three months, that was my job. I think I learned a lot of <laughs> my, my, my business. So another one which is very helpful is actually to reflect on the love karma. The love karma is the love cause and effects. Karma basically it means evolution action, right? So how it works is that okay, each of us has the evolution actions, right? The love karma. Each of us operates differently depending on our motivation, uh, our evolution. So if we do something, of course, mot motivated by uh, greed, hatred, and delusion, so we get the results of those ac evolution actions. So um, now it's really pointless, actually, to judge others because each of us have different karma. Why do I judge you that you are tall or short or beautiful or handsome? It doesn't make sense <laughs> because 
we are beautiful because of, your, of, love, of, of love karma. You are rich because of love karma. So, so it really actually defeats the whole purpose of judging each other, uh, really. So if you reflect on love karma, I think that can help. But also another thing that I found uh, helpful is really to make judgment the object of your meditation. When judgment arising, right, arises, judging, judging, judging. But don't say it so loudly because it can sound that judgment, judgmental voice, judging. <laughs> you don't want to judge about judging. <laughs> you want to have that softness, judging mind, judging mind. Because once we do that, then actually we are seeing it. We are seeing it for what it is before we are lost in judgment. I mean, this is an ongoing story going on and on and on. So we have to take care of that. Then, of course, modita appreciative joy, it's not avarice. It's actually being generous. Avarice means not willing to share your things with others. You don't want to share your computer with others. You don't want to share space with others. <laughs> you don't want to share your toothbrush with others. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe you can leave that out for a moment. <laughs> Okay, many people attached to their space. Actually, after staying seven years in Asia, I found out in Asia, people are not attached to the space. You go to a home and people take to their bedroom and all these places. It's an amazing place. <laughs> yes, it was so amazing. Uh, the people were not attached to space. Sometime in the West, I'm not saying you shouldn't get attached to your space. I'm saying to observe how we get so much um, attached to even the space and we don't want to share. I'm not saying that let everybody, every uh, Tom, Jack, and Harry in, <laughs> in your space, <laughs> or Jane and Jennifer, whatever it is, but uh, I'm saying uh, try to know that sharing is part of being up and generous and appreciative joy and all that. So even if we can share intangible things, being generous. So being generous is actually appreciative joy. The practice of generosity is. Uh, or self, uh, selfless service uh, to humanity promotes appreciative joy and vice versa. Uh, giving actually is very important if you want to practice appreciative joy because when you give, you feel happy. You feel a joy that arises from letting go. What's very interesting is when you give, you, be, you become happy. One would think, oh, you're going to lose and you, become, you are going to become miserable and all that. But really, it's the opposite. You really become happy. But there's something that I want to uh, tell you is also receiving. We are not good receivers. We are always giving, giving, giving. But when somebody gives us, we, don't, we are not good receivers. We tend to reject I don't like this. Ah, there's another side to this. People ask, you don't like this? 
No, I like it, of course. That's why I'm giving it to you. Because people are not so much used to receiving. <laughs> eh? So when you give them, they're, not, they're uncomfortable to receive. So actually giving is two-way, receiving and getting. So don't take it as one-way street. It's two-way street. You have to be willing to accept. And if you don't want it, then you can give it to another person. That's what we do monks. You give me chocolate and don't take it, and you give it to another. Yeah, then I'm giving an opportunity for you to give. Giving, giving an opportunity for others to give is amazing practice. So I'm giving you a chance to be happy, to have joy. Because once you accept it, you're going to be happy. That's why you go in Africa, they give you food, and you, yeah, you say no, uh uh. <laughs> They'll be really, really not happy. <laughs> you accept it even if you, you just do like this a little bit, and they just take a little bit like this. But you say, no, 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 I'm full, and no, no, no. The, the, this is part of our culture that you have to accept also. Appreciative joy is actually part of loving kindness. It's loving kindness itself, but actually directed towards a successful person. It's loving kindness itself. It's just changing an object to somebody who is happy, who is joyful, who is successful. It's not being angry and all the allies of anger like envy and jealousy. Envy or jealousy is not desiring to see others prosperous or happy, not even inclined to see others with good looks. Of course, what has somebody's beauty or handsome got to do with you? But most people feel jealousy and envy when somebody's beautiful, when somebody's handsome. Also, not wishing others to gain status and promotion and all that. That's also that's uh, jealous and envy. Definitely, is not mudita appreciate joy. So when we practice mudita, actually. We overcome remorse. We overcome that anger. And when we overcome anger and remorse, we'll feel glad. Gladness from gladness, joy. From joy, tranquility, tranquility, happiness, and concentration, and so on. When we gain concentration, as the Buddha said, that the concentrated mind sees things as they really are, we are actually going to see what are the causes and conditions. What are the causes and conditions for this situation to be so? So we are going to gain some understanding because we have a concentrated mind. We are seeing things as they really are. We saw the, um, the reason why people are successful and why people are failing. And then we see people who are happy and those who are unhappy. And then we can send them more loving kindness. So really, uh, appreciative joy leads to concentration. It's not just bubbling words, may you be successful and all that. But actually, when we deeply connect to the phrases and find out the causes and conditions why people are successful and happy and they're not threatening our being. Because that's what people think who are jealous and envious. Oh yeah, they are being rich, threatening my position. Their promotion is threatening my position. And then 
uh, we lose sight of all the causes and conditions why people are successful, why people promoted it to one position and all, all that. But once we practice, we see these uh, conditions. And also it leads us to understand, of course, uh, when we are clear, when the mind is concentrated, we can understand the law of cause and effect clearly. So we gain even wisdom and understanding. And we know that also those causes and conditions will change. Even somebody who is successful, the causes and condition might change. So why do you always hate other people? Why do you envy other people and, and jealous when you know that condition will change? And also you might be successful, maybe the next month you might be promoted. So this is the wisdom that we gain from this contemplation as we uh, contemplate um, and appreciate joy. Gratitude, another point. Gratitude is modita. That's the practice of modita. Ingratitude is not modita, is not appreci appreciative joy, because ingratitude is motivated by aversion, anger, and all that. Yeah, you are not grateful. You are whining all the time. Bad weather, this, even at a center like this where it's like a five-star five, five meditation center, you still say this cushion is not good. <laughs> Food is not good. I didn't like this Dhamma talk. <laughs> you're, you're not grateful. <laughs> maybe I go to another center, maybe. So, what's wrong with this one? <laughs> the problem with when you are in gratitude, you miss the whole present moment. You miss it. You miss the boat. Really. <laughs> but when you have gratitude, you are in the present moment, you are appreciating whatever it is, and be with it. So appreciation is very important. Uh, appreciative joy is very important. It means to be very grateful. In fact, what is very interesting, the first lesson the Buddha taught is the lesson of gratitude. If somebody asks you what was the first thing that the Buddha taught is gratitude, because after his enlightenment, he stood up and watched the Bodhi tree where he sat and gained enlightenment, he gazed at it like this one week, <laughs> appreciating, adoring. <laughs> really, this is what he was doing, practicing gratitude for the tree. How about practicing gratitude for human beings and all beings? Actually, that has, I have made this practice also when I wake up at our monastery in West Virginia. Because it's the forest monastery, I wake up, I say, wow, I'm grateful to these trees, to this space. I'm alive. I'm healthy. Because trees, you know, they give us actually oxygen. And we give, it, we give them all carbon dioxide. So we, there's an exchange. So you better be grateful for them. And you can preserve them. You can plant them and all that. So this is very, very important. We have to be grateful to our parents. That's a big thing. I don't know in the West. In Asia, it's very common gratitude towards our parents and Africa too. But I don't know so much in the West how you practice gratitude to your parents. But there is a, some thing I want to give you from the Buddha. He said something very interesting. 
and he said that if you are to carry your parents, okay, mother here, father here, for 100 years, of course, they, I don't know if they will be comfortable for 100 years over here. <laughs> if you are to carry them for 100 years, you will never repay your parents for what they have done for you. Sometime I travel around an airport and see the mothers changing diapers and all that. I say, wow, the mothers and fathers and all this, really they take care of us. When we are born, actually, we are like a piece of meat, actually. They are <laughs> helpless. <laughs> they do it for nine months and here. And then after that, another three years down the road, <laughs> so five years, and I'm telling you, they have done a lot. So I feel that whatever they have done to you, after maybe you're a teenager and all that, they ask you, you know, to go to party and all that. <laughs> when you're becoming a party animal and all that. So then you get angry at mad them why they refuse you to do this. And if you really get angry, you remember what they've done to you all those years when you're born. And in fact, then we have, can be grateful to our parents. Then we can help them. And in fact, the Buddha said the best way to help not only parents, but... Uh, also other people, is to show them the Dhamma, the path to liberation. Actually, that's what I did when I went to Uganda, uh, and I actually I ordained my mother as a, a nun, and she put on, she's putting on Burmese robes. So I felt, wow, I've done the work of repaying my mother for all what she did for me, really. So I just know, actually, I cannot brand my mother as an angel, that everything was fine with me when I was growing up. <laughs> of course, there was some misunderstanding. <laughs> but out of gratitude, I really need to, I, I wanted to do this. But of course, I didn't say, okay, you should become a Buddhist, you should meditate and all that. What I did is to show up and really... Uh, um, Show by example, uh, so teach by example. People get to know this message if you teach by example. <clears throat> Gratitude to all your fellow yogis. Gratitude to staff. I'm telling you, when I did the three month here, I had no clue that there are people under there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but when I came on the staff, they took me around and all that. And all. I'm telling you, there are so many rooms in this building. And I went to a place called Maintenance. I said, wow, this, all these people have been supporting me. <laughs> and I've been walking on top like this without knowing what's going behind the scenes. Then I was in the front office, working in the front office. Then I, I was a retreat manager here. And then I found out a lot of work people do behind the scenes to support us. So can we spend time to be grateful, uh, to have great uh, gratitude to the staff, to the teachers, to your fellow yogis who support you here? Because if only, let's say, for instance, only one yogi disrupts the whole container, then we are not going to practice very well. So let us be grateful. And the best gratitude I think you can do is to commit to your practice and stick to it. Uh, then we have uh, sharing merits. Uh, this is a, a traditional practice of sharing merits. Merits, uh, it means, it's also means happiness. So we share our happiness. This is a practice that is traditionally done in Buddhist countries and also any, any place that you can do it, of course. 
So this is where we, when we do good things like meditation, practicing uh, ethical conduct, any kind of practice that we, that we do, we can share. Anything that we do which is skillful, which is good, which is bring, brings happiness to yourself and others and the society, we can actually share. And uh, really, uh, the, in, in a traditional way, they have made this into a ceremony where even they bring water and it's like libation. They really pour water as a sharing merits. And you can even share merits to the departed ones. People have asked me, how do we send metta to the departed one? Of course, this practice is also part of metta sharing. It's part of appreciative joy. So then you can repeat these phrases that uh, the ask always people to repeat these phrases. May all the merits that have accrued from my practice, may it be shared with my relatives, with all the departed ones. And then finally people say, sadhu, 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 which means uh, well done, well done, excellent. So this practice is very common and uh, uh, if you are you can do that, that's fine. At the end of the seat, you can say, oh, may this practice be shared with all the beings. So now, uh, I would like to recap a little bit and tell you uh, something more about uh, Modita. Uh, when we practice Modita, we choose a friendly person, uh, somebody, a dear person. First, we sit comfortably, but it doesn't only, uh, it's not done only when we are sitting. We can do this practice anywhere. So we, we, uh, we find a dear friend, and then we, we can use these phrases. I, and you can try it now. I like you to sit comfortably. Feel at ease. Take a few deep breaths. Relax. And then bring to mind somebody who is successful and who is happy. And then may you continue to have happiness. Mentally, you can repeat this. May you continue to have good fortune. May you continue uh, to have joy and happiness and success. So you can repeat those words like that. I would like to remind you, uh, okay, now you can, you know now how to practice appreciative joy. I would like to remind you that uh, uh, the far enemy of, uh, of Mudita appreciative joy is mundane joy. Mundane, mundane joy is, Pali word is very interesting, Gehasita, Gehasita uh, Somanasa, that's a Pali word. Actually, this kind of joy, which is a near enemy of uh, um, appreciative joy or direct enemy, something that masquerades, something that disguises as meta, is actually... Uh, this, uh, the joy that arises when one uh, regards as a, uh, an acquisition the forms of uh, organized by eyes as agreeable, pleasing, charming, and endearing. Uh, so when you see something and then you say, oh, it's very pleasant, like with your eyes and, and hear and listening and thinking and all that, and then you, uh, you, that arouses joy say, oh, this is a very beautiful sight. That joy, because it's only you, it's not um, um, towards others. As we say that uh, um, this uh, Brahma Vihas, Apamanya means boundless. 
So that means all beings, you have to send this appreciated joy to other beings, not only yourself. But if it's only to yourself, and then all the time you are the one who is enjoying the sights and all that, and when others want to enjoy your food, or t uh, you say, no, 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 don't come, it's all my food. So you are only enjoying yourself, then actually it becomes mundane joy. It's not really actually mudita. Mudita always it has to be gladness as uh, <clears throat> that uh, divine abiding which is always used in the sense of gladness at other success. So this is something what we call appreciative joy if you are uh, appreciating other success and happiness. But if it's only one or a circle of people who are your friends, when they get promoted, ah, some amusement arises. Oh, my uncle is promoted. But when others are promoted, ah, oh, flat tire syndrome. <laughs> you get deflated. I can't stand this. <laughs> my uncle is the one who should be promoted. So this is called mundane joy. Okay, far enemy is aversion, of course. Aversion, envy, and jealousy. So remember not to go into those areas of far enemy and near enemy. How we go through, uh, into those areas of extremes of near enemy and far enemy is when we practice without mindfulness. So when we practice appreciative joy with mindfulness, we are not going to face this near enemy of mundane joy uh, and far enemy of aversion. With that, I would like to offer this for your reflection. Let us sit for a moment or two. Tupamaya sabesam satanam suko kamato pasitwa kamato metta sabbasate subhavaye. Having seen that all beings like oneself have a desire for happiness, one methodically develops metta, appreciate joy, mudita for all beings. May you be well up and peaceful. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.